Happy Saturday to you, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you may be listening. My name is Sean Coleman, and it's a pleasure to be with you once again here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. It is Saturday, February 27th. Hard to believe we're almost two months now into the 2021 calendar year. Hopefully, things have gotten off to a great start for you uh, this calendar season. Well, obviously, uh, the reason why we're here is the Grizzlies. And last night, a night after, the Grizzlies arguably had, you know, their Best game of the season. They basically awoke a sleeping giant, and it showed up early and often as the Grizzlies lost 119 to 99 over the Los Angeles Clippers. In the first segment, we'll break all that down. You know, some good takeaways, some negative takeaways, more than anything, some expected happenings from last night, and I'll get more into detail on that. Um, in the second segment, we're going to talk about one area of the Grizzlies game on offense that is continuing to really emerge as a weapon this year, and the great thing about it is it's directly from the effort that Coach Taylor Jenkins has put into helping this roster evolve to become more modern in the NBA. And in the final segment, we will discuss the upcoming game tomorrow night against the Houston Rockets. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC. The podcast, wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you may choose to listen, that's where we are. And we ask that you listen, subscribe, and you know, review. Let us know what you think of the show, and also let us know of any content you might like to be discussed on the show. DM me or the show at on Twitter. We always will make sure to respond in a timely fashion with whatever questions you may have. So last night, the Grizzlies, a 119-99 loss to the um, to the Los Angeles Clippers. And the thing about it is this, is that when the when we went into this back-to-back series against the Clippers, this is not meant to be an excuse, and it's not be a, meant to be a negative towards the Grizzlies. It's just a relevant observation. Whenever Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were on the court in the matchup between these two teams, the Clippers clearly had the two best players on the court. On Thursday night, the Grizzlies did a great job preventing them from being that, holding them to 9-26 to from the field. Justice Winslow, Kyle Anderson, and Dylan Brooks each did a great job defending them on different occasions, and Coach Jenkins did a great job throwing different defensive looks at both of them through different bodies and schemes. But the thing about it is, is that these are two Hall of Fame level players, and so you naturally expect for if they struggle one night and then come back and play the same team the very next night, they're going to succeed. They're going to find ways to succeed. And that's exactly what Kawhi Leonard especially did right from the get-go. He was on a mission last night to be his normal self and just absolutely what what was 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 a was a was a power source like there was not a way for the Grizzlies to really stop him i believe through the first you know 30 minutes of the game he already had 20.8 rebounds and 8 assists and that was the big thing about it it wasn't that he was just scoring at an awesome clip i believe he was 8 of 11 from the field the big thing for Kawhi Leonard was that he was getting other teammates involved he was grabbing big rebounds making very good assists and just absolutely was taking over the game even when the Grizzlies were staying with the Clippers you know through the first 18 minutes of the game it still seemed like that the Clippers were clearly in control. Whenever the Grizzlies got stops, the Clippers got stops. Whenever the, the, it became a fast-paced scoring opportunity, the Clippers scored one or two more baskets over certain stretches to keep the lead at four to six points. But unfortunately, once we got into the final four minutes of the half, that's where the game was truly won. A 15-4 to four run by the Clippers. And the big thing about it was, uh, the other thing besides, uh, the, you know, the trio of of Kawhi, Paul George, and um, you know uh, Lou Williams really showing out last night was that the Grizzlies unfortunately just could not get to the corners to contest threes, and that's really where the Clippers found their success. I believe between the second and third quarter. 
eight, seven or eight threes. I believe that they were seven or eight from 11 from the corner three were the Clippers. And even when the Grizzlies got back to within 10 in the fourth quarter, the Clippers still hit those corner threes. And, re- and that's what allowed for them to stay afloat along with the great play from, you know, obviously their core players. Overall, the Grizzlies, you know, Coach Jenkins put, you know, he put the nail, he, he nailed it when he said the urgency just was not there on or last night like it was Thursday night. He's correct. The Clippers were finding a lot of success early in the game with their passing ability inside the lane. Typically, the Grizzlies make it very difficult to do that with active hands, and they're able to get deflections and steals off of that. Though we did get some steals. It was more from just errant passes. A lot of bad passes last night between the Grizzlies and the Clippers. But when the Clippers were were clearly intentful on scoring, they were having their way getting into the lane and getting it done. And the other part of it was obviously the inability to get out to the corner corner to um, challenge the threes, and when you have a team like the Clippers, who for much of this year have been a top five team shooting the three, if you're not going to contest their shot attempts, they're eventually going to burn you. That's just what happens when you're playing one of the best teams in the NBA. So just overall, yes, it was a disappointing night, but it, you know it's understandable. You know the, the Grizzlies overall went into this back-to-back game against the Clippers, just like we have talked about many times this year. The Grizzlies went into this game looking for a split. They did that in a very convincing with a very convincing win on Thursday, and then they came back down to earth a bit on Friday, which is fine. That allows for you to make adjustments. It's also understandable to where, yes, the Grizzlies can stop, you know, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, on occasion, but you know, at, at some point. Hall of Fame talents are going to emerge, and they're going to make the difference that they usually make. And so you've just got to be able to weather that storm. And the Grizzlies were able to contain it enough on Thursday night to win big. Unfortunately, they couldn't do the same on Friday night. Though this does show, I feel, that there is a big difference added when it comes to Justice Winslow. As I mentioned throughout most of of the offseason and also in this season, two questions that Justice Winslow needed to answer when he comes back, is he going to be able to stay healthy? And is he going to be able to differentiate himself from Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton? And he did both those things, you know, so far, especially on defense. He is a true difference maker for this Grizzlies team when it comes to not only him individually, but also the added layers of defense that they can throw at wing defenders. So he was missed last night, and he clearly is showing a difference when he's in the game for the Grizzlies. Overall, a few other developments for the Grizzlies was that there were some good individual performances last night. Kyle Anderson, 12 points and 9 assists. Um, you know, Jaw had 12, 20 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds. Another good development, though he did um, only make 2 of 6 attempts. Jaw did have um, his third game this year in which he made um, three, 2 or more threes. So that was certainly a development. The big thing about it is this, is that for a young player, a lot of times, if they're struggling in a certain part of their game, they may shy away from it. With John Verandas, he's continued to say he's going to keep shooting, and that's what he did. And last night, he was able to make some threes. A few other shots didn't go in, though they were good looks. Jaws continuing to get the looks, so that certainly is a positive development. But a few players really stood out last night. One was Jonas Valanciunas. Now, again, we've had different segments on Jonas Valanciunas from talking about whether or not he, what his true value is to his most valuable, you know, um, to the most value he could have for the Grizzlies going forward as being traded. We've discussed all that. But Jonas over the past 10 games has truly been playing like a difference-making center. It's not just that he is doing what he's asked to do well. He's doing it at an elite level, and it's making all the difference in the world for the Grizzlies. In 113 career games, 
that Jonas Valanciunas has played for the Grizzlies, he has had 78 double-doubles. That basically means that in about 70% of the games that Jonas has played for the Grizzlies, he's done exactly what they needed him to do. Be a presence inside, be a double-double machine, and provide that physical edge for the Grizzlies. So another 22.11 rebound effort for him tonight. It was great to get to talk to him in the post-game, um, you know, uh, um, meetings, uh, you know, for the first time in a while. He certainly seemed, you know, like he's satisfied with his level of play, and that certainly was a development. Another big key to last night's game was 16 points from DeAnthony Melton, which came on 6 of 12 shooting. And a big thing about it to me was that DeAnthony Melton created quite a bit of his shots. You know, on the he did he did have a catch and shoot three, but he also developed his own shot from three. He also got to the rim. Made good uh, mid-range decisions as well. You see some significant progression in the decision making and the ability to self-initiate offense in DeAnthony Melton. If we get that consistently, DeAnthony Melton is the best two guard on this roster. And as you saw, though it was because of an injury to Grayson Allen, there were a few encouraging stretches. Though they were around a minute or so, there were some encouraging stretches where DeAnthony Melton was playing with the starting lineup. So that could certainly be a development. Now it's it's going to be hard. For Melton to meet the offense to meet the offensive value of Grayson if Grayson's shot is fallen, but I don't think it's ever been an argument that the Anthony Melton certainly is uh, you know the more valuable player overall, especially if he is being a good offensive force. I think the Anthony Melton showed last night just how valuable he can be overall. It was a disappointing performance, but at the end of the day, the Grizzlies got a split against one of the better teams in the NBA going into the final stretch of the first half that's really put them in a position to hopefully finish this first half strong and with at least a 500 record or better. One of the things that I also um, have continued to notice about this Grizzlies team is that despite last night where they did struggle shooting the three, there is one area around the arc where this Grizzlies team continues to improve and it really plays in well into their schemes as far as feeding, as far as building off of what they do in the paint to open up high percentage looks from distance. Coming up, I'll talk about how the Grizzlies have really improved shooting the ball from the corners and how that really has allowed for their offense to be a much higher floor when it comes to consistency than it was last year. So we all know as Grizzlies fans that if there is one area, if there is one statistic in a given game in which the Grizzlies are facing an opponent, the most likely area where the Grizzlies are going to beat their opponent is points in the paint. That's just a given. It's a consistent theme of this Grizzlies team because no matter what positional group you're looking at when it comes to the Grizzlies, they likely have their strengths in the paint, whether it be with Jonas Valanciunas, you know, with his ability near the rim, the floaters from both our wings and guards, the ability to get to the rim of John Morant. The paint just is where the strengths of our teams lie, and it really does make a difference when we are producing there. As I mentioned, you know, on yesterday's episode, the Grizzlies are 14-5 and under Taylor Jenkins when they have 25 or less threes because typically the reason why they're taking less threes less low percentage shots and also the reason why they're low percentage is because just you know one of the things that's not a strength of ours even to the improvements we made so far this year is shooting from distance but the Grizzlies are 14 and 5 when they take less than 25 threes in a game under Taylor Jenkins because they're featuring their strengths in the paint to an extent that you don't want to broke what's not fixed just keep going with what's successful however when it comes to this Grizzlies team It obviously is a game to where you have to be able to produce from three to really be able to play with the more talented teams in the NBA. And the Grizzlies are still certainly a work in progress. As we mentioned several times on this show, there clearly has been 
areas of improvement. Once again, another one of my favorite stats about the, the, the Grizzlies after Taylor Jenkins arrived versus before he arrived. Yes, the Grizzlies right now are shooting right around the same percentage from three. Before you know, with Taylor Jenkins, than before he arrived. However, their game averages have gone from five threes made on 16 attempts per game in the first 23 years of the franchise to now 11 threes made on 31 attempts per game under Taylor Jenkins. But a big reason why the Grizzlies have taken a step forward, taken a step forward with their three-point shooting this year, is because of how well they have continued to progress from the corner. And that's something that we started to see in the preseason and also in the regular season is that now in year two, with many of his roster members acclimated to his system, a full year under their belt, really understanding what Taylor Jenkins wanted to do, there was a clear emphasis placed on the corner. And while it did take some adjustment, it now, in my opinion, has clearly become a weapon. Here's an example as to why. Last season, the Grizzlies averaged 7.1 shots from the corner three and made 36% of those shots. Now, when the 2019-2020 regular season was going before the suspension of the season, it wasn't that much of an emphasis. There were opportunities there. They basically took the corner three when, after they adjusted to what the defense showed them, the Grizzlies went to the three to find a soft spot in the defense and would take it if that's the area they were given. Well, starting in the bubble, we started to see Taylor Jenkins really emphasize the corner three as a hot zone for his team to pass to work off their success in the paint. Anthony Tolliver had a lot of success from there. Kyle Anderson had a lot of success from there in the bubble. We started to see, and I wrote about this over at Grizzly Bear Blues in the bubble as well, we really started to see that emerge as a potential area of growth for the Grizzlies team that could become a weapon that could take the next, allow for them to take a next step offensively. Well, this year, we've continued to see that progression, but the crazy thing is it's been night and day between the Grizzlies' pause in the season, which came after their Martin Luther King Day game, and when they returned to play back on January 30th. Over their first 13 games of the season before the season was paused, the Grizzlies were averaging nine corner threes per game, mostly on catch-and-shoot opportunities based off them passing out of the lane to the corner as the defense collapsed. Well, during the first part of the season, as we discussed, this Grizzlies team certainly struggled from three. They were last in the league when it came to the percentage of threes that they were making from the corner three. Overall, in thir over 13 games, they took 117 threes. 117, or excuse me, they, they, they didn't take 117 threes. Yeah, they took 117 threes um, from uh, from the corner in their first 13 games of the season. They only made 30% of them. That is how much, uh, you know, how many missed opportunities were out there for this Grizzlies team that they could just not convert. So they were finding openings. They were creating the opportunities. The shots just were not falling. Well, as we discussed, and as Taylor Jenkins had mentioned on several occasions during the first part of the season, he felt good about the schematics of his offense, how they were leading to high-percentage looks. The shots just weren't falling. Well, Taylor Jenkins, as we've known him to do, stuck with what he felt worked, and it's made a big difference since the Grizzlies returned to play. During their first 13 games, the Grizzlies did average nine shots from the corner per game. They were last in the NBA when it came to their accuracy at 30% on those shots. Over their last 
16 games. Since they returned back on January 30th, the Grizzlies are now third in the league on shooting the three from the corner at nearly 48%. That's why we've seen such a big improvement in the shooting ability from three of Kyle Anderson, of Dylan Brooks, of Desmond Bain, and others. Grayson Allen and Desmond Bain probably produce just as much, if not more, above the break on their threes. But as we know with Taylor Jenkins' offense, typically the power forward is going to be the one who's in that corner looking for catch-and-shoot opportunities based off how the offense runs. And we've seen some good moments from Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, Kyle Anderson, and others when they've been playing that power forward forward position, and others have succeeded as well. Desmond Bain has really improved his shot from the corner over the past three to four weeks as well. Overall, the Grizzlies have now emerged as being one of the better teams to shoot from the corner in the league, and the reason why that is such a big development is because if they already were one of the best teams producing in the paint in the league, well now, if defenses have to focus on that, the Grizzlies becoming one of the best at a counter move so if defenses focus on the paint, that is such a big development for this offense because if the Grizzlies are getting in the lane, they're finding success. And just like last night on Thursday night, the Grizzlies in the first half found so much success with their floaters because that was the weak part of the Clippers' defense. Well, once they started doing that, Throughout the last part of the second quarter and into the second half, the Grizzlies, once they got in the, in the paint, the shot was not there, they immediately passed back out to the corner, and that's where they were able to find success shooting the three from the corner. Though they didn't take that many threes, they took several high percentage ones, and that's made all the difference in the world for the Grizzlies' productivity from three. Again, nobody is going to sit here and say that this Grizzlies team is an elite three-point shooting team, but they are an elite team producing in the paint, and now that they've added another reliable layer to their offense from producing in the paint to passing out to the three, and they're now performing as one of the best corner three-point shooting teams in the league, that is a huge development for this Grizzlies team to hopefully allow their offense to remain consistent and allow for them to remain productive and win the games that they should. And that's a big thing about the next two games on the road in which the Grizzlies are going to be facing a well-disciplined Houston Rockets team and a starting-to-emerge Washington Wizards team. Though the Wizards certainly, you know, overall have struggled this year, they really have started to play well as a top-10 both offense and defense team over the past few weeks. But the focus, obviously, will be tomorrow night when the Grizzlies travel to Houston to face a team in the Rockets. It should be a winnable game for the Grizzlies. And as we just mentioned, if the Grizzlies can play to their strengths and feed off of that to find other ways to be successful, they should be able to find a win. But how specifically can they do that? Coming up, I'll look at the Rockets game and see just where the Grizzlies could succeed in order to beat the Rockets and what should be a, and what's a pretty important game for the Grizzlies to win to finish out their first half of the season strong. So the last time the Memphis Grizzlies faced the Houston Rockets, it was back on February 4th, and it was a game that many of us felt, you know, the Grizzlies were coming off, you know, a pretty good stretch, and it was a game that we felt, you know, after the, uh, the two wins coming, uh, you know, the Grizzlies came back from their 12-day hiatus. They had the great series in San Antonio. They had a dud of a loss in Indiana, though it was expected. Then against the Rockets, you know, we thought that we had a pretty good chance to win because we felt we were the better team. But the Grizzlies just did not have an answer. Unfortunately, the Rockets just kept hitting threes. The Grizzlies could not stop them from getting to the rim at times. Christian Wood was making a difference. But though the Rockets won that game, the issue was was the bigger loss, though they won the game, they had an even bigger loss when it came to 
Christian Wood, who was lost after that game and has since been on the mend due to an ankle injury when it comes to his health. And the Rockets have certainly missed him as they have faltered from, you know, when they won that game against the Grizzlies, they were surprising many in the NBA with how, you know, much of, how, with how deep they were in the conversation when it came to the playoffs early in the season. But ever since losing Christian Wood, the Rockets have now lost 10 straight games. That's right. The last time the Grizzlies played the Rockets and the Rockets handedly beat us, they actually have lost 10 straight games. So that was their last win, you know, on the schedule. They're now 11 and 20. They clearly are in, you know, they, they're looking like a lottery lock. Though they do have, you know, a few decent players on the team John Wall, Victor Oladipo, others. This team clearly is missing Christian Wood. And you've seen some other developments that, you know, kind of signal that this is just going to be a building year for the Rockets to Marcus Cousins. Um, they released him for better opportunities. So the Rockets are clearly in a rebuilding mode. We're likely going to see them look to uh, part ways with Victor Oladipo in time. Things such as that should happen for them over the next month. But the big key here is this, is that even though this Rockets team clearly is in a position to where this should be a winnable game for the Grizzlies, as we know, when it comes to these divisional games, especially on the road, it's not a guarantee when it comes to Memphis. But it should be a pretty easy matchup for the Grizzlies to see if they simply play their game, they should have the ability to find success and win. Since the Rockets last beat the Grizzlies in the month of February, the Rockets have emerged as being a bottom five team in the league when it comes to points per game, field goal percentage, and three-point percentage. They actually are last in the league when it comes to shooting from the field right now, and they're second to last in the league when it comes to shooting from three. Now, the Grizzlies haven't been much better, and especially on defense, the Rockets have been towards the towards the 20th to 21st ranking in the league. The Grizzlies have been a bottom five defensive team in the league in the month of February. But the Grizzlies should have the ability to find enough offense to really allow for them to be able to find success when it comes to winning, and especially when it comes to being able to produce in the paint. Though the Rockets are in the top 10 of the league when it comes to limiting teams' field goal percentage in the paint. They're 21st in the league when it comes to allowing two-point shots to be had. Another big area where the Grizzlies can find some success is that they do have the ability to create turnovers against the Rockets. So the Rockets do create turnovers well themselves. The Rockets right now are 14th in the league. They are committing 15 turnovers per game, and they also are in the bottom team of the league in in terms of you know limiting teams from creating steals against them. This Rockets team just simply is a team that right now is struggling. And so when it comes to this game, there's not much to be said. The big thing for the Grizzlies is that they need to focus on making sure that they can test threes because the Rockets are a top five team in the league when it comes to attempting threes. And that's the big thing that really hurt us last time out. I believe the Rockets made 19 threes uh, the last time that we played them. And every time we got a run going, the Grizzlies had their, their chances. Though the Rockets got a big lead, the Grizzlies actually played with them for much of the second half and a bit of the first half because the Grizzlies were playing like they were the better team. The problem was is that every time the Grizzlies made a run, the Rockets would either have a three-point play at the rim or find a clutch three to be made on the outside. This Rockets team attempts three is third in the league when it comes to three-point attempts per game. They are last in the league in three-point field goal percentage. The problem is, is that with the Grizzlies arguably being the worst defensive team in the league when it comes to defending three-pointers in the month of February, if the Grizzlies are not contesting shots, 
This is an NBA team. They're going to hit them. But if the Grizzlies can simply stay, stay disciplined and contest as much threes as possible, that really should play to their advantage. Because if this Rockets team is attempting threes and they're missing him because shots are contested, the Grizzlies' ability to rebound, especially with Justice Winslow back on the perimeter, that should really fall into the Grizzlies' advantage, and then obviously that allows for the Grizzlies to get on the run. So a big key for tomorrow night's game against the Rockets is simply this. The Grizzlies need to play to their strengths while also defending the three. And that that's, you know, I know that that's a consistent theme of this show, but that really is the focus. If they can simply contest the three-point shots of the Rockets, several of those shots should be missed that will prevent the Rockets from getting in the rhythm, and then the Grizzlies can get out on the run and use their prowess in the paint to really set up opportunities to score from, you know, on two-pointers, but also open up the three-point game for them to find success. Now, obviously, you know, a couple of names out there that do need to be watched for. Victor Oladipo did not play in the last game that the Rockets beat the Grizzlies at, um, you know, in Memphis, but he is on the season averaging nearly 19 points per game for um, just under five rebounds, just under five assists. He is not shooting well um, overall from the field, but he will get his shots up. John Wall certainly has uh, reemerged this season himself. He's shooting nearly 43% from the field and 35% from three. So John Wall certainly has been producing. That's going to be a big development for the Grizzlies as well, making sure that they support John Morant or whoever may be guarding um, John Wall. A big development for the Grizzlies is that if Wall and Oladipo do play, it will be very important for the Grizzlies to do all that they can to try to limit them to 40 to 50 points combined themselves because if the Grizzlies can, can create that type of opportunity, it should allow for them to be able to, you know, if the Grizzlies basically focus on making someone other than Oladipo or Wall beat them. That should fall into the Grizzlies' favor because I don't know if Houston's offense will be consistent enough in that case to really keep up with Memphis. So that's it. There's really not much to go into when it comes to this game against the Rockets. The Grizzlies should rightfully be favored. Their depth should rightfully be able to take on the opportunity. With Justice Winslow back, the combination of Melton, Winslow, um, Brooks, and Anderson should be effective against a duo uh, or against a trio of Wall, Oladipo, and Gordon enough to limit them to where the Grizzlies can offense can find enough consistency to be able to win the game. Obviously, without Christian Wood in the game and without Demarcus Cousins, Jonas Valanciunas should have a big game as well because this Rockets team is 28th in the league when it comes to opponent's rebounds. They, 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 they are one of the easier teams to rebound against in the league. So Jonas Valanciunas should have another monster night as well. Several opportunities, several different ways in which this Grizzlies offense can really make the difference and where the Grizzlies' depth on defense can create havoc against the perimeter shooting talents of the Rockets. If the Grizzlies simply stay disciplined, they play well, play a lot like they did on Thursday night, they should easily be able to earn this win and really go into the final few days of the first half Right at 500, looking to win their final two games, or at the very least, split against the Wizards and the Bucks, and go into the All Star break happily with a 500 record or better. 
Can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us again. My name is Sean Coleman here with the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSAC, wherever you choose to listen to the podcast, that's where it'll be. And we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the podcast app on your phone. However you choose to listen, we ask that you do subscribe. Let us know how you feel about the show and let us know what content you'd like to be discussed. We always want to make sure we're delivering the best content possible. Hope you have a great weekend. We will be back Monday with Chip Williams to discuss several potential draft targets for this Grizzlies team, kind of a midseason draft preview, looking at several targets that Grizzlies fans should pinpoint, should look to um, you know, follow through March as we get into March Madness and the end of the G League season. Some really good potential fits for this Grizzlies team and some names that may stand out. Plus, we'll also obviously talk about the Rockets game. Until then, hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.